0: You are listening to the 4th and 40 podcast presented by Dorm Room Sports. To the 440 podcast presented by Dorm Room Sports. Today on the show, Mark is not with us. He pulled a late night last night wiping Dolores' ass at the funeral home. Um, no, joking. We haven't talked about it, but Mark got a new job. So he's working. Mark's been
1: working his ass off. Yeah, Mark's been working I mean, Mark's his been ass, been ass working. off. Mark's been working. He's been covering shifts, picking up shifts.
0: Yeah. And. So
1: He's done wiping he's Dolores' ass
0: and chasing Betsy around the funeral home. To get- <laughs> I
1: know he's working a lot because he's been tweeting but, a lot. And Yeah. when he's when he's at work, he usually um, he, they, he gets a decent <laughs> amount of downtime. He's on his phone, <laughs> tweeting out. But uh, he he's working really hard. He's making a lot of money right now. And he will be back next week. But in the meantime, we are delighted to welcome the host of the third base dugout and the CEO of Dorm Room Sports, uh, Brian. What's going on, buddy? Hey, not too much. Just happy to be here. Yeah, yeah it's so, nice to have
2: a
0: little crossover. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, R- rug has been on uh, the third base dugout a couple times. Um, so I thought today, since Mark was going to be a perfect time to bring on Brian, kind of just yelled downstairs and said, Brian, get on. Uh, <laughs> uh, we could use yeah. you. Because we're going to talk a little bit of baseball to open it up. But before we get into it, please go ahead and give us a follow on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be. We have it at Fourth and 40 Pod. Remember, we do want your listener questions. We want your feedback. We want your input. DM us or email us. The email is in the bio of this podcast. Please go ahead and hit us up. We want to hear what you have. Also, at the end of this interview, it is a gr- or at the end of this at the end of this episode, we have an interview with a Florida QB, Jack Anders. Um, really interesting interview. We actually just recorded it. Um, it's. It was interesting just to hear his input in the locker room. All this different stuff going on. I mean, he's not a starting QB, but he's there. He's. I mean, he's the insight that everyone wants to know about. What do you? We we talked to him. What do you think the odds are? What do you think this? What do you think that? How is it going? What's it like with students just getting back on campus last week? I mean, he gives us a lot of interesting insight. Um, great interview. Uh, just if you if if anything stick right forward to that interview, it's definitely worth the listen. It's the inside information that everyone wants to hear about. So. That being said, let's go ahead and get on into the show. Um, Actually, before we get into the show, I'm going to do the ad read now. Instead of doing it after the rundown, I'm just going to get it out of the way now before I get carried away and I completely forget to do it. Don't want to do that. So we have partnered with Thrive Fantasy Sports app this season. The The Thrive Fantasy Sports app is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. The app eliminates the need to do countless hours of research before football Sunday. All you have to do on NFL game day is pick 10 of the 20 players they give you to fill your lineup, rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Thrive's Fantasy Sports app has rewarded $1,300,000 in prizes since launching in 2018, so it's a fairly new app, fairly new way to gamble, fairly new way to play and keep interested on Sunday. And to get signed up, it's simple. Download the Thrive's Fantasy Sports app, and when you sign up, use the promo code DORM20 for an instant $20 bonus to whatever you deposit also. So you deposit – x amount of money you get $20 free and then it helps us out in turn and we get the money back for dorm room sports and actually helps Brian out a ton lets us put our name out there more gives us some money to do some stuff so this is a big partnership with us we really need your listener support play it's fun we've had a good time we Brian actually over the third base dugout they put out their own thrive fantasy picks uh Brian I'll let you give a little more insight into thrive before we get going just so the listener can know what it's more like for baseball right now we're gonna definitely play more when it comes to football season when we know a little bit more about what we're doing. But for now, if anybody's less interested in baseball and whatnot, we'll let you give a little insight.
2: Yeah, so um, the first day that we did it uh, was a couple days after we did the sponsorship. And uh, we looked at it, and it basically gives you 10, 10 baseball players with different props, like making um, the range. Like I know the big one that me and uh, Shelly were big on was Nelson Cruz's uh, prop, which was over under .5 home runs. And so, and we both said, "Hey, Nelson's gonna hit the over, and he did. He had a home run in the second inning of that game, and so um, that over hit. And so it's basically stuff like that. It can range from the home runs or uh, it could be like hits plus runs or RBIs plus um, I don't know, RBI's plus hits, something like that. and um, but overall, it's a great it's a great app. I think it's pretty cool how they set it up to where you have a point system and you're basically rewarded based on how many points you can get and climb it top of the leaderboards. And so um, I think it could be something big for the company in the future, especially competition wise for all of us. We could, we can make it out to be a, uh, a big thing for dorm room sports.
0: Mm-hmm. I definitely think it's going to help us out tremendously. It's a fun way to play. It's a new way to play. So definitely sign up, at least sign up, give it a shot. If you don't like it after a couple of times, withdraw your money, get out of there. But I'm sure you will like it. We've liked it. We've all we've all played a couple events. Uh, Rug, played. Rug did really well when he played. Brian and them, they've been hot over at the third base dugout. So we'll see how it goes. But getting into it, one of the main reasons why we have Brian here today is, for some reason, unwritten unru- rules in baseball are like this huge deal right now. And Fernando Tatis evidently was supposed to take an at-bat off in a 3-0 count and not hit a home run. So, I mean –
1: just to provide a little context, the reason he – so it was through a 3-0 count. The Potters were beating the Rangers by seven runs. I think it was on Tuesday night. And um, Tatis was given the take sign from his third base coach. Tatis, I don't know why he was given the take sign, but they gave him the take sign. Tatis swung through the take sign. He hit a bomb. The Rangers were very offended by that. And after the game, Rangers manager Chris Woodward was not happy um him and the Padres manager jace tingler um are friendly from the past so i think jace wanted to acknowledge his friend from the rangers and he kind of said tatis was in the wrong and tatis apologized for swinging through the take sign but it's created a total firestorm and i talk about unwritten rules and i guess me personally i have a different take on it a little bit i get kind of i feel like there's more people who criticize unwritten rules than there are people who actually support unwritten rules i didn't see one person outside of in baseball media actually come out like, oh, Tatis was wrong. And I, I get kind of tired, nauseated by people in MLB media like, oh, baseball's got this problem and that problem with unwritten rules. And I feel like they just kind of do it to kind of pile on when there's not as actually much of a problem as people say there is.
2: I, I kind of want to dispute you a little bit, uh, Rug, and I think that it would be a different situation if, uh, if it was, say, like Mike Trout or something someone who's gotten paid long-term, someone who's already going to be making a lot of money, who's already the best player in baseball. Fernando Tatis is one year away from arbitration, free agency. And I, I think as someone, as someone playing for a contract for, for money, you look at your agent, you look at someone who you're negotiating a contract with, and you say, look, I could have swung it at a 3-0 pitch and hit a home run, but I didn't. So that's why I have one less home run than I. Oh no, did.
1: I I support him swinging. I, I I've totally supported him swinging three zero. I didn't even know that was a thing. My, my the, where um. So I, I agree with you on that. My where I get caught up is I get tired of people in the baseball media acting like there's more people who support unwritten rules than there are. I think it gets overblown every time.
2: Oh, I agree there. That's agree. where that's where I
1: disagree. I totally look. I I mean, as someone who played a little baseball when I was younger, I mean hitting. 3-0 count's the best hitters count you could have. I love swinging three O, and the fact that he was given the take sign is stupid. But I think this controversy was overblown by a lot of people who like to blow these things up for clicks in the media and attention, and that's where I kind of get annoyed by these things.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. It's It's something that I think has gone by the wayside ever since the new age of baseball kind of came about. Um, ever since analytics really came old school baseball and those unwritten rules kind of went out the door. Um, these new guys like Tatis, like, um, oh, shoot, like Lindor. I mean, Lindor doesn't really break unwritten rules of baseball, but. These Juan Soto Lindor,
1: grabs his balls every time he takes a ball. Yeah, Juan Soto. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. like
2: When you <laughs> stare down the pitcher and grab your nutsack and uh, not even <laughs> like completely disrespect the pitcher when it's one of um, it's, the unwritten rules went out the went out the door a while ago, and I think some old school baseball fans are probably the ones that support the unwritten rules still. But anyone that's watching baseball that's getting into baseball now is like, heck
1: yeah, show me a 3-0 home run, three zero grand slam.
2: I mean, it's it's just baseball. At this it's point.
1: a it's a fine line thing. I mean, look, I'm a little bit old school as a sports fan. Like, do I think that you should be flipping your bat and doing a dance routine down eight runs, or if you're zero oh, for your last thirty, absolutely not. Do I think that you should be – but it should be within reason. I think there's definitely been a push to be a little more expressive. I I think it is good for the game, ultimately. I don't like getting caught up on that because I don't think it's the reason anyone's going to watch, but it is good overall when guys have personalities. It builds storylines and builds interest from that perspective. But regarding this Tatis thing, I I just thought the whole thing was – the whole controversy was nauseating. I'd rather talk about why Tatis is on a Hall of Fame track so far in his career. I mean, he has just been—he's been even better than I could. I mean, I picked him when the MVP on your show, and he's been even better than I ever could have hoped for this year. He's just been truly insane.
2: And I said it on third base last week. I said, "You can dispute me all you want to. Fernando Tatis is the face of baseball, and you cannot argue with me other than that."
1: I would argue with that and put the guy who uh, won a World Series last year at 21 maybe. I, I think he's got to be up there.
2: I, he's up there. I still don't think that there is a more exciting player to
0: watch in baseball than Fernando Tatis and on the flip- I think you're wrong. I think you're flat out wrong. All right. who do you, have Zach? It doesn't matter who I have. If you ask anyone who they think of when they think of baseball, that's your face of the player and they're not saying Fernando Tatis Jr.
1: I think, I think, um, Zach, you're probably right. I mean, I, I think for baseball, hardcore baseball fans, but casual fans are still learning about Fernando Tatis. I mean, he, you have
0: a way better chance of someone saying Mike Trout. You have a way better chance of saying some, I mean, Bryce, Har- I think,
1: I think the average person Harper's would probably say still Aaron Judge Bryce, would be Aaron the,
0: Judge, Bryce Harper, Mike Trout. Those are probably your three actual face of baseball. If you go ask a random off the per, random person off the streets, who, who's your bait? Who's your when baseball when you when you think of baseball what player do you think of i would put my money it's Bryce Harper Aaron Judge or Mike Trout one of those let me let me put a counterpoint
2: to that if you think of two guys in the league that are trying to bring change to baseball that are that are bringing that new age of baseball in i think of Fernando Tatís Jr. and i think of Trevor Bauer trevor bauer is a face of baseball you can argue with me all you want to that guy has pushed more for baseball to become better and be more appealing to fans than anyone else. Mm.
1: He's a character, man. I'll give him, I respect his commitment. I will say this. I I'm neutral on him because I I do like his personality sometimes, but I think he's a little sensitive sometimes. And I also think that he, there's times where he speak his, uh, his talking off the field is more noticeable than his pitching on it. Now this year he's been sensational. So I want to give him credit for that, but, you're absolutely right that when it comes to the, the vlog he does and the, just how outspoken he is on social media. I mean, it's uh, him and Mad Dog have gone back and forth like three different times now. It's it, it is I, you're right. I think overall it is good for the game. I'm trying to. I like some of it. Sometimes it wears on me as a fan, but. It's it's an interesting thing that's going on.
0: I think I think in players that change the game and are changing the game, yeah, you talk Trevor Bauer and Fernando Tatis, but they're not the face of the not they're not the face of the game not yet. They just but but when if you ask a baseball person if you ask a question to a baseball person who's trying to change the game for the better who's trying to make it more appealing more fun I think Trevor Bauer and Fernando Tatis and I mean, there's a couple other players. I mean, Mike
2: Trout's an answer in that, too. I mean, he yeah, plays exactly. 100% all the time. He's always got a smile on his face. He's got great charisma, great fan interaction. I mean, he's a guy that's making it better, even though you don't really hear about him changing the game of baseball.
1: He's the <laughs> face for sure
2: overall. To a yeah. diehard baseball fan, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So moving on, Montreal made a uh, stink in the media this week. I mean, what an idiot! But rug rug, read the comment.
1: Well, there's not much to read. Apparently, there was a video or of him, and it basically called him mouthing a bitch-ass white boy to Luka Donichich. And like my thoughts on it, I, like I'm not offended by. It. I couldn't. I don't really care that much. The real story here is that if you reverse the races, it's the number one story for the next month and a half. And that that's kind of where the double standard is where the problem with the comment comes in, especially with the league. If the NBA is going to be as political as they are, which we've seen they are going to be, and if they're going to preach equality and all those, all those important buzzwords that they throw out there on the court and on the back of their jerseys, you got to live up to that standard. You're going to get some heat. And that, that's kind of the story here: is the selective coverage and the standard that exists.
0: That's 100% the story. I mean, that's – any way you look at it, if, it, if the rules are reversed and the words are reversed, coming from Luka Doncic to Montrose Hero. Luka Doncic is probably not playing. He's probably out of the league. and Or he's suspended. And it's a really big media firestorm. I mean, it's on every major news network. Mm-hmm. But it's not, and it is the way it is. And I'm not going to sit here and say, kill the dude, criticize the dude. But I'm just saying that it's not a big stink, and not many people even know about this comment or this what was said um, because the roles aren't reversed. And this kind of goes back to the, what was happening a few weeks ago and what's still going on today with equality in this country and everything. And we we support this, but we do support equality as well. And if, if you're going to have the standard for one, the standard should be there for both. That's just a fact.
2: I, I don't know what's worse. The comment or the people in the comments on social media saying that oh, Donchett isn't white, he's European. Um, that <laughs> might have been the dumbest thing that I've ever seen.
1: Yeah. <laughs> You mean dump stuff on social media? What a surprise. Who could have ever predicted that? Idiots, but, <laughs> idiots on social media. <laughs> well no, the worst thing about that is like who cares even if he is white? Luka Doncic is his own person. He's an individual. Everyone's an individual. That's that's the thing that gets annoying. It's like he's an indi- everyone's an individual. Like it's not, oh, white versus black and group identity politics. It's it's sickening. It's really annoying. So that that's yes. where that those comments are. Ridiculous too, but I think Doncic should come out in the next game and put on the back of his jersey, bitch ass white boy. Um. <laughs> you yeah, got They should. Uh, maybe the NBA should check in with China see if they approve of that. But uh, that that would be that would be very funny if they did that. But anyway, one more. um
0: Bef- Hold on. Before we move on from NBA, I just wanna. Wh- what have your guys take been on the NBA playoffs so far? As boring as uh as ever, same shit right i mean that's um let me play. think i've Something watched approx
1: i've watched approximately zero dribbles of the nba playoffs and
0: i've oh, ra- i've i've watched a de- i've watched a decent amount I, i've
1: actually i to be fair that i've actually read about it and like i've been following what's going on so um my impression is that you had i you had a, the underdogs looking better for a couple days and now the favorites are kind of taking over. I mean, Luka Donich is her Yes, because,
0: for, because my theory on this is straight up that the, the underdogs were the ones that had to try going into the bubble, like the Trailblazers. Lakers rested their best players for, like, half the games there. They didn't try. So the first two games were like, oh, shit, we're actually
1: playing. So now let's get back. And I think
0: – uh, order has been restored in the NBA. The better teams are advancing, and that's the bottom
1: I think the Lakers do have some problems with their shooting. That's what I've read. But um, the problem is – that I mean, the Trailblazers aren't that good of a team. I know they've yeah. had their little run, but they're not that good. Regarding the rest of the series besides the two L.A. teams, I don't think there's really a lot of – the only other story to me that's to the casual fan that really matters is the Rockets are looking really good. I don't know if that sustains. I mean, James Harden in the postseason – Has a history of being terrible, I'll bet on that again. My takeaway is I'm all in on the Clippers. I think the Clippers are the team to beat. I think they're the team that's going to win it all. I think Kawhi Leonard, the best player in the NBA right now, and that's kind of what I'm expecting to happen is for them to go and win this whole thing. I was sold on the Rockets
2: being the Rockets again this year when they scored three points in overtime and got outscored like 17-3 to in overtime yesterday. Uh, (laughs) uh, The – Thunder pretty much were – they had, like, a slim lead for the most of the fourth quarter, ended up tied because uh, House missed a free throw with, like, four seconds left um, that would have won the game for the Rockets. And then, um, obviously, overtime had a completely different story where the Rockets just went stone cold. But I don't believe in a team that's just live or die by the three ball like that, especially shooting 50-plus threes a game. Just, I mean, I don't really watch a lot of NBA, but I still don't believe in it. I don't think that they're going to be a, they're going to be a really a big, big time contender.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll have to see, but I, I tend to agree with that. And they're also playing a lot of small ball, but it is a different league now. So we'll see what happens. Boys, it's time for me. Time to get into the story of the week when football and Earl Thomas is just an absolute garbage can. Good riddance. Goodbye. I'm not going to miss you. <laughs> listen we we broke i've broken down on past some of the earlier podcasts why earl thomas was a problem last season so if you guys want to go hear that go back listen episode four five three after the incident with the whole incident oh, with his, his earl wife thomas and, fucked,
0: or, 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 earl thomas fucked someone with his brother so i think we saw this coming from a mile away
1: but the thing that really Get gets into me it farther is,
0: i want to just give my little take because i know you're gonna deep dive yeah down. go ahead go ahead because this is your this is your this is your bread and butter right here. I mean, you focused on this for a while, but my take is, he didn't. He wasn't. He wasn't a standout player. He wasn't great last year. There were reports of him having locker room problems. Correct, Rog. I mean, I'm.
1: Yes, and they've been coming out recently. I mean, look, yes. he said he said things throughout last year that were bad. There was reports that he didn't get along with players and wasn't as attentive to the, picking up the defense as he should have been. So that, I mean, that's already annoying in its own right.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, right. it's, it's, it, this was coming. He he hasn't been a good teammate. He he wasn't the best teammate in Seattle, but Seattle has a way of suppressing these things. I mean, it, but but it's it just continued, and now it, it boiled over, and Rug has to deal with it, so I'll let Rug go with it.
1: <laughs> I mean, so I guess, yeah, if, we'll, if we look at the timeline from the incident in May to now, if you're going to do something that's stupid – and get into a situation that he got himself into like that. You better show up to training camp, look, double, triple locked in. You better be like on your best behavior. I mean, I, the Ravens—he's lucky they didn't cut him on that day, and they thought about it. I mean, it pissed them off. The Ravens organization doesn't put up with off the field issues, especially since Ray Rice, Steve Bisciotti is very conscious of it. Um, I, I know Mark would have something to say about that because the pristine, apparently the pristine run Redskins organization. Never has any problems, even though we know that's not true. But anyway, he shows up the training camp. There's been reports the last week that he's been skipping meetings. He's been late for meetings. He's been lackadaisical on the practice field. He's in year two, and he still doesn't seem to be picking up a grasp of the Ravens' defense. I mean, one of the things about Earl is that in Seattle, he had a lot – he was kind of just playing center field, that cover three scheme with the one deep safety. The Ravens use their safeties interchangeably. They bring them up into the box a lot. It's a much more complex scheme. And Earl, just, he struggled to learn it last year, fine, year one. He's coming in. He's still having trouble in camp. So then, on I think it was on Thursday, he got into a skirmish. Or really, a skirmish doesn't do justice. He got into a fight with Chuck Clark. And so, for those of you who don't know about Chuck Clark, he's the other starting safety for the Ravens. He wears the green dot on the defense, so he's kind of the head communicator. He's a really smart football player. So he basically Clark came after Thomas because Thomas blew an assignment, and they the fight was I don't know who started it, but I know that the fight it, 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 Thomas escalated to the point where half the defense was holding both the guys back. I mean Thomas threw multiple punches, and it what it what that led to was after him being sent home is first thing it is he went on Instagram and decided to play uh, be his own lawyer to what happened like an idiot ran to Instagram trying to talk about it. Second thing is the Ravens leadership council met and they decided that they want him gone. And today, the really, once that happened, you knew the writing was on the wall. You knew he was going to be gone. The last step was just going to be, are they going to be able to get out under his contract? And that seems, it it appears. So it's kind of interesting. So technically they're not going to be able to get out under his contract, but there's a clause in his contract that if the more guaranteed money he gets for another team, the less he gets from the Ravens so it's a really it's a really complex thing but to me as a Ravens fan it doesn't matter the money is secondary you can't have a guy like that in your football team anymore you just can't have it the Ravens have a guy named Deshaun Elliott who's ready to step in and play he's a bright young talent and safety you can't have chemistry is so important in the NFL you can't have guys who are cancers in the locker rooms or really in any sport you, you can't have guys who don't buy in you can't have guys that divide locker rooms I don't care how talented they are. And it's not like Earl Thomas is the top five safety anymore. He's probably like the eighth, ninth best safety in football. Good riddance. He's a total disgrace. He was a terrible Raven. He's on half the player Ed Reed was, even in his prime, by the way. Any Seahawks fan who disputes that's on drugs. Ed Reed, even in his prime, was twice the player Earl Thomas was. Earl Thomas is a disgrace to Baltimore. This is a a city and a team that prides itself on defensive culture and smart defensive football players who – are aggressive, gritty. Earl Thomas was the opposite of that. His last moment in Baltimore is getting his ass run over by Derrick Henry after talking trash before the game. Good riddance, goodbye. Hope wherever you go, you suck. You probably will... I think he's going to be the new Antonio Brown. Just a total disgrace of a football player and good riddance. Well, that being said, we'll
0: see you later, Earl Thomas. You're no longer going to be talked about it as much in Baltimore. Rug won't be mentioning your name as much. And he's gone. The Ravens hopefully will be able to recover from this. Hopefully they have someone that will be stepping in to fill his place. They play. do. But I got nothing more to say. I don't know if, Brian, you want to chip in on the Oral Thomas stuff. You know,
2: y'all get all the juicy stuff to talk about in your podcast. Baseball doesn't really have that. I mean, we did have a little bit of unwritten rules, but, like – who cares about swinging at 3-0 fastball? Um, you all get people beating each other up on the field and uh, <laughs> sleeping with their sleeping with someone else with their brother. Like, dude, I need to start following the NFL a little bit more. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, look, <laughs> I, I told Zach this. I mean, look, I'm every bit the baseball fan. I am the football fan. But I told Zach this. Doing the football podcast was I, – I definitely felt better doing the football podcast because there's more juicy national stories like this.
0: Mm-hmm. and people know more about them
1: you're bringing well yeah baseball is just more regional stuff
0: baseball you're bringing more stuff to light and it's in, in in like small things that kind of come up and you're like look this leave this leave this like it's coming it's coming but football a lot of these stories are national headlines they're a little bit easier to report on and that's just how it is but one more th- uh i guess we got a couple more things we can talk about um i'm gonna hit the right now i'm gonna go into ron rivera uh Cancer. I mean, he has cancer. Uh, It's hard. It's sad to hear. Luckily, he caught it early. It's supposed to be complete, 100 percent treatable. Um, And hopefully he'll be fine. It's, It's another hit to this Washington Redskins, Washington football team, whatever the fuck you want to call them, the shitty organization that they are, the fucking catastrophe it's been. Ron Rivera was the only light at the end of the tunnel. The only one guiding us through this fucking dark, deep, dark place. I mean, everyone was happy about him. And to just hear he has cancer, it just sucks. I mean, I feel bad for him. I feel bad for his family. I hope he's going to be okay. But he, supposedly he caught it early enough that this this will be fine. And, and
1: he, I think he's going to try and coach, which is good. And Yes, and correct. Listen, I, I know I've been – I've kind of joked with Mark that Ron Rivera is not a saint, but he's a good football coach. He's a good football man great guy in the in the game wish him all the best he's going to try and coach through it so let's hope that they caught it early he's going to be able to move past it and it's just like you said it's just a, a run of bad luck for a franchise that i mean they like i think they've hit rock bottom and but where's that bottom going to be i think this next i think this is cause the this is going to be a very tough season if this if this trend continues of just bad breaks day by day I was. You yep. mean you hope the Alex Smith story was going to b- provide a little bit of uplifting news? Dude,
0: but... Alex Smith can't fucking play football. The video of him walking is fucking cringing. Enough.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I I, I don't understand who. I respect him. the hell out of him, but did I, I don't get it? What I doctor
0: don't... was paid a fucking two million dollar ransom to let him play?
1: I mean, these are the same Redskins team roll... doctors that Trent Williams. Well, Trent Williams did, did have accused of doing yeah. different things, and yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's the Redskins team doctors that cleared Alex Smith. It might, I'm sure he had a personal physician or a, many secondary opinions that supported it. So I don't want to question the legitimacy of the Redskins team doctors. Dude, but, what I'm scared
0: about is I'm scared of watching the game that someone rolls up on his ankle and it just goes.
1: Well, if things go right for the Redskins this season, he's not going to play because Dwayne has to correct, correct, great. correct.
0: He, correct, he should not play. The, the The goal is for him not to play
1: and they have Kyle Allen who's a Ron Rivera favorite. I mean, he played with Correct. Ron Rivera last year, and was really good in week 2 against the Cardinals defense, which was terrible early in the season and he was yeah. the ne- next second coming in Carolina, but
0: Yeah. Well, that's that that, that that's pretty much going to cover it for the news for NFL this week. Um moving into kind of college football uh There's more fallout with the Big Ten. Um, I saw something about them kicking the can down the road pretty much. We'll we'll think about playing football this winter. Like, that's just another statement from the shitty Big Ten, the fucking pussy Big Ten, the only major conference. Fuck the Pac-12. Who gives a shit about the Pac-12? But the only major – Well, cop- they
1: pushed the Pac-12. But you you know yeah. the you know schools in California are not playing football. I mean, yes, many Correct. of you understand why, why they can't play football and the different factors that drive that. But listen, the, the Big Ten, I already went in on them last week. <laughs> I'm going to do it some more. They are total frauds. We've learned some more last week. So the first thing we've learned is that all 14 athletic directors in the Big Ten wanted to play in the fall. But they were crowded out by – Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner, who by the way, I'm gonna repeat this, his son plays for Mississippi State. The Big Ten released a schedule, but nope, doesn't matter. So the athletic directors wanted to play, but the presidents and the chancellors canceled them out. So the, 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 the Nebraska athletic director's name is Bill Moose. He um he talked about this a little bit. He said that Kevin Warren was aware, for example, that every Big Ten athletic director was in favor of playing a fall football season. Ohio State's, Penn State's, and Michigan's ADs pushed the hardest, but there was unanimous agreement in wanting to play. He knew where we were coming from, and he was the messenger to the presidents and chancellors. I knew where our people stood, but I would have liked to have been in the room when they expressed it to the commissioner and our presidents and chancellors. So I guess the Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State guy ADs were kind of the – had the most vocal plea. But it's really – I tell you this, it, it just makes me even angrier. Because it almost, the Big Ten chancellors and presidents, they make over 13 million in all taxpayer funded money. And they didn't put their names behind the vote. They didn't put their names behind this decision. I mean, they're total cowards. Yes, because it, makes cowards. it sound like it was an
0: athletics decision, too exactly when it first came out it sounded like it was an athletics decision and frankly it was not it had nothing to do with anyone that plays anyone that participates none of the players have a voice another showing we actually talk about oh no we don't talk about this on the interview that was off the air <laughs> but about a little bit of paying paying for play and how they have no the, the players have no say in anything that's going on right now they all want to play their parents are all okay with them playing They say they'll assume the liability. Now, whether I believe that or not, I really don't trust any damn person about assuming the liability because if someone dies on the football field because of coronavirus, they are going to come back at the school no matter what the liability that they assume. It's easy to say it right now. So I don't know how much I believe that. But back to
1: the point. So does the liability different at Pittsburgh versus Penn State where they're playing? No, it's not correct.
0: It's not correct. It is not, but they are taking the risk. But what I'm saying is the players have no say in this, and it's bullshit frankly it's
1: you feel terrible for the players you 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 respect the parents who are who are protesting writing or signing petitions yes they're upset and they should be upset so there's even more to this so according to minnesota president joanne gable she said that there was never even a vote but that there was just a kind of a general consensus among the presidents Mm -hmm. and chancellors so they didn't even have an official vote Pro. Nebraska Chancellor official. Ronnie Green said there was a vote, so there's not even they can't even get on the same page. And he's saying he voted against canceling the season. So we know Nebraska and Iowa the first report was that they voted against it. And then there was, uh, there was a report the Ohio State president, her name's Christina Johnson, was not ready to vote to cancel the season, but she never said that specifically. And then, of course, the last deal is uh Gretchen Whitmer, Whitmer the governor of Michigan, has apparently been. just really upset with the idea of playing football. So we talk in the interview about how welcoming Florida is to sports and sports in the fall, Michigan's government, the political side of it, they're not playing football. And the I think the political aspect of this certainly plays a role. There's no, Mm -hmm. there's no doubt that there's a correlation between your governor's politics. And if you're playing football this fall, and I think I understand there's way more factors at play the money gets brought in all the schools, but there's no doubt if you just look at the States that are playing and you look at the schools that are playing and you look at the politics of that state, there is a correlation that exists. I, I don't want to totally ignore that as well, but the the moral of the story here is that the big tens leadership is terrible. And it's, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt the, the big 10 as a conference. It's really mm-hmm. shameful. They need to get this figured out. I'm pissed at Maryland. I'm pissed at my new president, Maryland. Maryland. Yes, what are they, they doing? Understand. Where's Where's Daryl Pines? I get emails from him every week. I haven't heard a word from him about football. Where's the Maryland Ch- – I, I forget the Maryland chancellor's name. I think it's per- Jay Perlman, I think. Mm-hmm. Perlman? I didn't check Whatever it is. Where is he? Because all these guys – and all these guys, these chancellors and presidents are quiet. Well, they make hundreds of thousands in taxpayer money, but they got nothing mm-hmm. to say. You can't find them. But meanwhile, they are putting out little reports and little – Tidbits to the media, which is was running with them for months, months on end about, oh, college football this, we can't play, risk this, risk that. And it, it really, it's really frustrating. It's even more frustrating than last week because we're finding out more and more how haphazard this was and how bad the actual leadership was compared mm-hmm. to even last week where you were just wondering Correct. what the legitimacy of this is. The Big 12's all in. It, it really, it, it's pissing me yeah. off. It sucks. Yeah.
0: All right, well, that is going to do it for this part of the episode. We have the interview coming up. Oh, one thing before we get out of here. Um, I I mentioned at the end of the interview, but please go ahead and um, DM us if you want in our fantasy league. We tweeted it out. You can go through our recent tweets. It's in there. Let us know if you want in the fantasy league. I think, Brian, are you participating? I am. Brian will be in it. We have a few other DRS guys. we got a few other uh, fans signed up. It's gonna be a really interesting league. There are a few spots left. So please go ahead and get that in and get that uh, get your spot reserved. We really appreciate. We just wanna be just want to play with the fans. It'll be really fun. It'll be talked about weekly on the episode. I mean, it's gonna be a great time. But that being said, thank you guys for listening in. And I hope you guys enjoyed the upcoming interview. It is a great one.
1: Yeah, it was it was excellent. A lot of fun. See you guys next week.
0: Today on the Fourth and Forty podcast, we have Florida QB sophomore Jack Anders joining us. How are we doing today, Jack? All right. Thank you guys for having me. Jack is a avid listener. He has been, he has listened from the start. And um, we thought with everything going on in the SEC, everyone's really curious. Um, we were kind of waiting to ask him to come on for a good time, maybe after a big rivalry game or something. But we thought now is, I mean, now is almost perfect time, better than ever, because Everyone reported back to camp this week, or they've been in camp, but all the students came back this week. Everything's in full swing, full practices, pads on, I think. Right, Jack? You guys got – did you guys move into pads this week? Yeah,
3: so we've just been in pretty much shells for right now, just helmets and shoulder pads with padded shorts. But um, we should be getting
0: that into the next week. Yes. Yeah, so, every it's, it's kicking off. It's, it's go time for SEC. It's go time for ACC. Yeah. Football's right around the corner. Um, I think there is a college football game either next week or two weeks away. Um, I forget who it was, but it's coming around. So we thought with just all the coronavirus talk, Jack's in the locker room, Jack's around. I mean, it, it couldn't get any better. I mean, he may not have any uh, not public information, but he can explain, like, how everything's actually working. And so to start off with, take me through just, just a little football-wise. Take me through your day-to-day right now, what's going on, how, how everything is.
3: Right, so uh we would normally start around um this camp is different than most years just because of COVID reasons and the pushback. So we'll start around um eight o'clock and there's a whole COVID checklist, mass or mandatory symptoms checklist, a check-in process that's you know, not normal to what we were used to day to day. And mm-hmm. um after that, just getting onto the practice field. Um we're out there for for quite some time and then um, we'll uh, eat after that, come back, watch that film, review the film, and then go out later on the field again for a walkthrough or, or potentially a second practice and do and correct the mistakes that we made earlier in the day and that we watched in the film and then another meal after that. So everything that we're doing right now is super um, fast paced, high tempo, but the COVID precautions are are uh, definitely in
0: place. So are you guys, the last few weeks, have they all been walkthroughs and just mostly non-contact stuff, kind of, you know, take all the necessary precautions, keep everyone safe, try to minimize contact, like what you've seen on hard knocks, what you've seen in the, around other leagues? I mean, is that basically what's been going on with you guys as well? Yeah,
3: exactly like hard knocks. Uh, the first couple days we were just getting acclimated, so it's how much only um, if somebody had the ball, you're just going to tap the hip. Now that we're in shells, it's a little bit more of a thud, um, kind of like a wrap up, but let them keep running type deal. So, uh, yeah, it's getting real uh, more into real football situations. So
0: it's definitely exciting. Mm-hmm. And tell me on campus, just so we can get a sense. We, we've always we've talked about this. But with the students being back now, are you guys isolated away from them or how, how is it working? Are you intertwined? Are you walking with them on the sidewalks or is, is SEC football keeping you guys kind of Uh,
3: So living situations wise, I mean, I don't think there's much that they can do about living situations. I know in a regular training camp, we would be isolated at a team hotel. Um, but I know that they have the hotel reserved for if you do end up testing positive, that would be your isolation area. Um, but for me personally, I just kind of avoid the public as much as I can. And your schedule during training camp is so precise and so condensed that you don't have a lot of time to relax at the pool or, or do what you need to do or maybe run some errands until late at night because, you know, there's somewhere you need to be. So um, I think that players are doing an, a phenomenal job of, you know, staying out of way and staying out of large groups, as we've proven with our multiple um, negative tests.
1: How has um, – sorry, Zach, I just want to ask real quick. How um, has Coach Mullins – how aggressive has he been on it? Are the coaches in contact with a lot of the players, say, when they're not at practice a lot more than usual? Are there any specific threats he made or specific speeches he made about the procedures or if someone screws up that are, that kind of stick out to you or that are memorable?
3: Uh, honestly, I think that Coach Mullen has just done a phenomenal job for what he wants um, out of the team and what he expects. He's been really um, understanding of for guys that potentially could be thinking about opting out or skipping practice or worrying about COVID protocols that you're not going to get thought of any less. No one's going to, you know, disrespect you or, you know, think that you're not who you really say you are because you're not showing up. And the mutual respect is there because obviously guys are making business decisions for their uh, own health. So I think he's just done a phenomenal job for the decisions that the players have made and the decisions that the program has made moving forward.
0: So speaking of the, the testing and everything that's going on, have you guys, how, how many players have you guys had opted out? And I don't know if you're allowed to give me a specific number or, or in general, how many players have tested positive or if you have had to- positive, positive tests?
3: So I don't, I don't know if I'm allowed to potentially give that information out, um, but I just know that we've done really well for testing negative And um, I don't think we've had any guys opt out. I feel like we've had maybe one or two guys miss an early practice, um, maybe for personal reasons that I can't really get into or might even know about. But I I think we have everyone out there, and it's just exciting to get out there.
1: So So would you say um, the mood and the morale is pretty high then? A lot of guys are, besides the procedures and the uniqueness of that on the football field, it's a pretty standard training camp in a lot of ways for a lot of guys?
3: Yeah. uh, Well, for the older guys, I know it's definitely been different because it hasn't been, you know, remotely close to what it's been like the past three years that they've been here. So I think guys are just taking it day by day and just doing what they can to move forward. But coming off of last season, coming off the Orange Bowl win with a lot of returning starters, I mean, it's hard not to be excited for the future. So I know we want to play as bad as uh, any other SEC team.
0: Yeah, I was just gonna say, talking about wanting to play. Um, what what what's the playoff situation looking like? I mean, you guys want to play for something. I mean, SEC championship. Yeah, that means a lot. But I mean, what what are we looking at right here? Have you heard anything? Have you gotten any news? Anything that's not necessarily out there, but rumors circulating around the locker room? Somebody, some something said. Or
3: I I honestly, um, a lot of us players don't really know much more than the media. And a lot of the coaches will say the same because there's so many decisions and, and talks that are going on behind the scenes that don't get um, leaked out. So um, I think that if as long as we play, they'll go through with the uh, SEC championship. Um, but as far as the playoffs, the one question that I definitely have is, I don't know if you guys have talked about it before, but how strength of schedule plays into who gets selected and, you know, if they're probably going to do a four-team playoff like normal. So – I I I really don't know, um, but I'm definitely eager to find out.
0: Have you heard anything about bowls? Whether it be bowls or not this year, or what's going on with that? I mean, I don't know
3: anything about um, bowl games. I think everything is just up in the air. So
0: yeah, I mean, I think it would make sense for kind of a bigger playoff this year kind of like an 18 team ordeal, maybe even a 16 team ordeal. Cause of the, sh- you have a shrink schedule. First of all, you're playing less games this year anyways, with less out of conference games, correct? Right. So you're playing less games. So you have potential for, I think two or three more games to put you back at the normal number. So I think if you make it an 18 playoff, that puts you at three games postseason instead of two, or if you make it at 16, that puts you at four games postseason. takes you into about the same time as you would regularly anyways. Um, I think it allows for more variant. I mean, let's let's say Alabama has an outbreak. They test test ten people positive. They lose that game. You know what I mean? You drop they have to drop in the rankings for the teams that are playing, right? They have to. But they lost but they lost players. So in, instead of it being a fourteen playoff, it's an eighteen playoff. Now, you know, maybe they can get in if they had an unfortunate circumstance. You have to be able to account for the unfortunate circumstance. Have you heard anything of like playoffs like that or any talk of that? Honestly,
3: honestly, nothing. Um, I think that something like that would definitely be interesting because the guys want to play a full season. So mm-hmm. doing something like that. And I know definitely down here and as any team will tell you in the country that, um, you know, no one's going to back down from anyone. So if we want to prove ourselves, the more people we play, the more yeah. games we win, it just makes sense. Yeah.
1: How has um, the leadership played a role? So you mentioned some of the older guys earlier. Have there been any memorable speeches or any seniors in particular who have really kind of gotten on some of the younger guys, some of the other guys to follow the protocols? I know I saw a speech. I forget what the guy's name at Ohio State was. That was really interesting. Just talking about how they've worked, how all the hard work they've put in. That's the hard part. And following these protocols is the easy part. Has that leadership kind of, have you seen any of that with some of the older guys down at Florida? Yeah,
3: I mean, it's, it's hard not to have that if you want to be a successful program. And we have um, not, just, not just captains for, you know, like a kickoff game, but a leadership committee. And there's about 12 or twelve or so guys that just – it's their job to know what the team wants and also to police the team. And um, just to give you a prime example, our, uh, our middle linebacker, number 51 Ventrell Miller, who's one of my best friends on the team, he has just done a phenomenal job just taking over the leadership role after David Reese left last year and just making sure that everyone's doing the right thing. And then that also from the defensive side, um, and then from the offensive side, Kyle Trasso has just done a phenomenal job of being a leader and, you know, taking the reins for sure. And um, I think that those two guys being the quarterbacks of the offense and the defense, as well as the entire leadership committee, um, is doing a great job because it's hard for the coaches to be able to police everything.
0: Mm-hmm. What, what, what's it like in that QB room right now? How, how is everything going on and how, how does it feel like you guys are preparing for normal season or? What,
3: yeah, what? definitely. Um, I started a little late last season, so um, I'm still, you know, I think everyone is still, as well as myself, still um, learning and processing and and going through, you know, reads or situations because we could run ten, the same play 10 times and get 10 different defenses and 10 different, you know, whatever they could play in the front and the back end. So um, the quarterback room has been uh, a very fun thing to be a part of. And I like all the guys in there. Um, and it's just a unique experience.
1: Have you learned anything uh, in particular from Kyle Trask that's a dear, maybe piece of advice that you've kind of taken to heart or used to improve your game.
3: Yeah, so I, I'm. I feel like um, I'm a very curious person. So if I'm watching a play or understanding play or or route that I don't really um, get that often, I'll definitely go to him and ask him what he thinks and what he knows about it. But I think he just does a phenomenal job of leading by example, and you'll see him like Drew Brees, like, he'll go through his reads, he'll throw the ball, and then he'll still go across the field to his reads so he knows where everyone is on the field. And you can just watch that and then um, simulate that on your own without him even talking to me. It's just been actually super helpful.
0: That's interesting. So back to some of the coronavirus stuff. Um, Talk about, like, getting ready for the season, the vibe coming into the season, like this could feel really weird. Like some teams could feel like, you know, we're not even playing, you know, it could be a really low, you know, low momentum, low, low energy, but it seems like down where you guys are at, it seems pretty up tempo, up pace. And you guys feel like you're going to play. What, what's the talk around town with like the fans in the fan situation, are there going to be fans at your games? Are they going to be allowed to tailgate? What's going to, what's going to go on with that? Have you heard anything?
3: So the only things that I've heard, um, for that subject is I know that they're really pushing for maybe 25% capacity um, and then realistically if that was to happen, it, the fans would be either boosters or uh, parents of players. Uh-huh. Um, I think it's just really hard for, for students as much as they want to go because it would just be so, so selective and whether they mm-hmm. did like a lottery system, it would just yeah. be a mess. Um, but I think one of the best things about coming to Florida is the swamp. So not having a crowd um, is, is a huge deal for us. So we're going to try and hopefully get as many people in there safely as possible.
0: Yeah. So you guys think – so you you have heard that you think there will be some fans in there. You don't know exactly how many, but you think
1: so, some people are going to be in the stadium.
3: Right. I think that they're just going to do as best as they can to push for it from our ad.
1: How do you okay. think that'll, um, having less fans or just a different atmosphere, how do you think that'll impact the game? Do you think it's going to help the, the better teams, the teams with more resources, or do you think, do you think it kind of hurts the smaller school teams that rely on that fan massive fan presence to kind of make up for the athletic differences? And how do you think it'll affect your team personally? So I think
3: whether it was a big school or a small school, any player will tell you that the fans will give them the juice that they need, and it's so true. Um, I think that the games will change because with no fans, obviously it's not as loud. So mm-hmm. coaches have to take a different approach. Like you can't just yell out onto the field to a player of what is going to happen and what they want you to do. And you can't, you know, communicate in certain ways. So a lot of things are going to have to change to keep um, secrecy or whatever you want in in the playbook to remain, you know. Not get out the information to the other mm-hmm. sideline that could just easily hear you from across fifty yards.
1: So, do you think it helps the the offense a little bit more in the sense that there's no with no crowd noise? But then, of course, with the D, de- it maybe hurts the offense because, like you said, they have to even make more of an effort to have secrecy and prevent the a smarter of both, defenses from. Sure. So, it kind of I guess that's actually good. Is that probably cancels itself out a little bit.
3: Right. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely yeah. a little bit of both.
1: I guess um, what I'll kind of pivot to now is what are your thoughts and what are a lot of the players' thoughts and what's going on in the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and them not playing and kind of the campaigns to play? Do you agree with what's going on? Do you think What do you think is different about the SEC and ACC where they've been able to play and the Big Ten and Pac-12 where they ultimately aren't able to play? And what's kind of the mood around – Have you has the locker room kind of talked about that a lot and the coaches mentioned it?
3: Uh, really, really not at all. I think that just – the coaches just want us focused on us and focused what we're going to do. So whether, whether the uh, big 10 is, you know, the petition goes through and they decide to play or it doesn't. Um, I don't really think it affects us that much because there wouldn't be any, we wouldn't see a big 10 team till the playoffs potentially or a bowl game. So there hasn't been much talk about it. I don't really personally know too much about it just because, um, Camp takes up a lot of time, so I haven't been able to, you know, reach out on social media or anything like that. So, um, yeah, you guys definitely know more than me about that. Do you
0: think, like, what are your thoughts on a spring season, if that's a possibility? What, um, what, I'm sure you guys have talked about it, like, in the locker room. Yeah. It has to be a conversation. Like, would players play? That's been a big argument for us is, you you listen. I mean, you know, we would players play in the spring? Would it be a real season or not?
3: Yeah, I think I think players will. And especially with Just Came Out, um, having this year frozen and getting an extra year of eligibility, um, that definitely will play into it. If, personally speaking, if there was a way where we could play in the spring but have a normal atmosphere, I'd be all for it because I think that's what college football is about, as weird as it may be to play in the spring. Um, but a lot of players would then also be opposed to it because – that this fall becomes the spring. What we, what we would do in the spring would turn into the fall. Mm-hmm. And it's just a lot on guys' bodies and uh, mental stress to just do so many more weeks of technically training camp to prepare in the spring when we've been doing it right now. So, um, but for me personally, uh, I, w- I wouldn't mind playing in the spring. I just know it'd be hard to, you know, play a second season in less than 10 months later.
0: Yeah, that is true. That is true. Because the the re- if you went back to the fall of the next year, the re- what are the repercussions of that? I mean, yeah, yeah, it's
1: a huge injury risk. Ultimately, it's, it's
0: a huge. Yeah, it right, is. And you don't nice sure. fresh back, but um, what was I going to say? Oh, who who do you guys play first week? And what's oh, your game? Yeah, we're in Oxford, Oxford, Mississippi. Yep, for all Miss. Wow. So right, I mean. I think that's – one of the pauses that come out of this is you guys aren't playing any shitty fucking teams anymore. The first two weeks of shitty fucking games and only three good games on national TV a week are – that that's not happening right now. Uh, you can't yeah. really – the smaller schools, it's all – I mean, you're jumping right into conference play. I mean right. you, you guys theoretically should steamroll Ole Miss. Um, right. But, but it's still a conference game. It's still a – it's still a important game for your guys' schedule and you got to go out and play because it right. is –
3: and that, I mean, that's what that's what our coaches stress on um, to us every single week is that it's it's hard to win football games. Like whether you're playing in conference or out of conference, and whether you're playing um, not to bash on any teams, but maybe like a program like Vanderbilt or Arkansas or Ole Miss that hasn't been at the top of the SEC in the past couple of years. Whether you're playing these teams or Alabama and LSU, you still have to go in with the same mindset and still. You know, strain and, you know, actually fight to win the game because it's hard to win in this week. So, um, yeah, I think, I think uh, old this will be, will be a good matchup
0: first week. Uh huh. A good way to get into it, kind of. Kind of a game you should win, but a game that you're going to have to focus on. Everything's still going to have to be clean or else there could be an upset. I think that you're going to see that around college football early on with these. You know, they, these teams aren't used to jumping right into these, these tough teams. A lot of a lot of teams – I mean, the Bamas, they, they have their games, The Michigans, they right. schedule that out-of-conference game. But a lot of teams don't jump in the, to conference play initially for right. They still got to figure out what their depth chart looks like. They still got to figure out what kids play. Freshmen coming into college, I'm sure you saw it last year, the jump is insane. So if you have a freshman that you think can play – those first couple of games against, you know, not great schools, smaller schools, those are important for that freshman to get his feet wet, get into the door, start dealing, playing against men. I right. mean, it's a huge difference. So I think this first week, I mean, coming from our perspective, all we fucking care about is betting. We just want to bet on you, student. <laughs> That's all we care about. But um, it's almost unpredictable what's going to happen because you really don't know what what is going to – I mean – granted you guys just found out your schedule what you were at camp before your schedule came out right right yeah Even exactly we playing when you guys got to camp so everything's pushed back a little bit but you guys are still playing on time which I think is great but it's gonna it's gonna create chaos at the beginning of the season I, I mean, think
1: the experience of uh of Dan Mullen's gonna help a lot
0: mm-hmm.
1: when oh, you have yeah, for sure for sure I mean just having the same I mean, like for example a team like Mississippi State I mean I, I, I'm a huge Mike Leach guy but when you have to install a new offense and make that many changes in an off season like this, I'm sure the continuity is helping a lot when it comes to Florida and any team right. that has continuity right now, as I'm sure it's not, is even though you guys are locked in, it's not as easy to prepare the season as it would be in say a normal season. Right. And same
3: goes for Ole Miss too. Um, being that it's Wayne Kiffin's first mm-hmm. um, year there as well as a new offensive and I'm pretty sure defensive coordinator, um, it it also puts a lot of stress on them, but it also puts a lot of stress on us because you know we're actually still unsure of what we might get from them.
1: Especially with a guy like Lane Kiffin, you I mean you never you never know what you're going to see from him. Right, always oh, a always oh, an interesting character. But another thing, um, how would you rate the intensity at the practices? Is it is it usual intensity? It's like I know guys always have little skirmishes throughout practices here and there. Just that's football. That's just the intensity right. of the game. Has that been a little bit? less um, common right now our coach is a little more aggressive and say breaking that up or preventing that or guys still kind of jawing getting each other's faces every now and then talking yeah. trash is it kind of is there a sense of normalcy with that or is it a little more kind of limited um
3: to an extent I think that you also don't get that juice and that height because we're not in full pads yet we're still out there just wearing shorts mm-hmm. um but it's, you know, when you're, when you're out there and you're an offensive line and you're straining and you got a huge 350 pounder trying to, you know, put you on your back and you're trying to put him on your back. And then you got the Florida heat just beating on you. The tempers can flare. And, and I love that about our team is that, um, you know, there'll be some talking and there'll be some juice flowing. And it's just really up to the leadership committee to not let it get out of hand, which they haven't in the past. So, and that just hypes up the whole team. So I think we're back to normal, and um, we're there to
0: an extent, but obviously just because we're not in full pads yet. Mm-hmm. Has there been a talk of what happens if players – I mean, is there? what's the plan in place if someone pe- tests positive? If a QB tests positive, is your whole QB room done, or, or what? what's going on with that?
3: So from what I know is that they have um, – it's hard because we're practicing and we're all together, but they have – uh, people called tracers and if somebody tests positive you'll get in touch with the tracer and they'll figure out who you've been around the most for the last uh, 42 or 24, 42, 72 hours and you'll all quarantine um, obviously separately and that'll probably take place um, at, mm-hmm. the, at the hotel. Um, so if somebody tests positive which no one has on our end so I don't honestly know how it works. Um, yeah, I think I think uh, the 10 people will quarantine or isolate.
0: Mm-hmm. So are you guys having meetings in meeting rooms and stuff? Yeah,
3: so we're having, spaced, we're out. having uh, spaced out. All the chairs are spaced out. They open up as many doors as they can. It's mask mandatory unless you're eating. And yeah, we're having in-person
1: meetings. Okay. How so, often um, are you guys getting tested, and what's the return time? So, if you get tested on a Tuesday, do you know it's negative by Thursday, or is it immediate? And
3: yeah, it'll. Uh, I'm. I'm pretty sure um, we're getting tested two times a week now, and then when the season starts, three times a week, and um, I think it's either the next night or the, or uh, in two mornings from that testing. So it's okay. very
1: quick. Yeah, I guess the thing that college football, the challenge that we've seen in baseball that football is going to have to try and avoid is when one guy tests positive, they've had to cancel a couple of games because they know that because that test took two days to come back, they may be playing the game around some other people. Right. The other thing college football is definitely going to have to try and avoid is if one guy tests positive, now all of a sudden on Friday night, you don't know how many guys have been exposed. They have to mm-hmm. cancel the game. I think that's definitely going to be the the biggest challenge for college football, and hopefully, hopefully they can get a test that because I'm because I you guys are getting the nose swab right, not the uh, saliva test.
3: Yeah, unfortunately, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's it's not it that not the most fun test for sure. It's uh, and I'm sure doing that twice a week it's kind of old. But I, I read something that the NBA might be or was kind of funding this test that would give immediate results. But I know that the immediate result test is less accurate. So I'm hoping that they can come up with something like that because I think that would be crucial to making yeah, right. it more likely that the season would continue on.
3: Yeah, I've, I've, I've uh, um, heard some of these things about, I guess, an immediate test, and they're super inexpensive at risk of not having a perfect result. But maybe you have to take some sacrifices if you really want to be able to test people as fast as possible.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's it's important that you guys if there is a positive test just for the safety that we we find out who they were in contact with but like your number 1 QB test positive he's throwing balls to the wide receiver he's you know I mean it's it's very it's going to be hard to trace in football down right. to the so you, all you're trying to prevent is an outbreak and let's be honest you guys can't miss a game because with a ten-game season, right? That's what you're playing. It's nine in conference, one out of conference. Yeah, I think it's 10, 10 games.
3: But right now, I think everyone has one open slot. I'm not sure why, but there's okay.
0: Do you think that's for makeups then? I'm guessing that's the makeup slot.
1: That makes sense. See, hopefully, hopefully the that the there won't no one will have to make up more than one game. Yeah,
0: right. but I mean, so is there a possibility that teams get ca- games canceled? Has that been talked? If if, if someone tests positive, if there's enough.
3: I mean, I'm sure there hasn't been much talk about cancellation, but I mean, you're if you don't, that's going to be a lot of heat coming to whoever made that decision to keep on playing from outsiders. So, yeah, I don't really know
0: what's going to happen. Yeah, that's 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 extremely interesting. I mean, it's really hard. I mean, everyone wants to play. It's I mean, you know, you're not you're not going to test everyone, and if someone does test positive, only you're the likelihood. More than five people come back positive or negative from that. You know what I mean. But it's going to be hard to trace exactly who he was in contact with. What who has the highest likelihood, and then they have to sit out. So, you know, what I mean, and imagine losing your wide receiver one, and your QB one, and your running back one all for a week. Can you play? You think you guys can play that game still? Is it even fair to play that game? You know what I mean? So, yeah,
3: I, it's hard because you're not like talking about an ankle injury that would just. Or something that would just happen, you know, in normal football, mm-hmm. is something different. So some people could say, "Oh, it's like unfair," um, but then you have to just roll with who you
0: got. Mm-hmm. I think. I mean, this this is kind of confirmed that it's just it's probably going to be a pretty fluky season when it comes to championships. It's gonna be it's gonna be kind of fluky because you're gonna wake up Saturday mornings and all of a sudden someone tell that to the champion though. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> I mean, it's, it, you're really just running the gauntlet of what team can stay healthy for
1: ten weeks, right? But hey, in a way, that's weeks. football in general, though, right? Yeah, it it, it is. It's it's, it is. it's it's next man up. I mean, it's I, yeah. I know obviously it's gonna the reason guys are gonna miss games is gonna be a little more frustrating because of the fact that a sprained ankle doesn't spread to the guy lining up next to you. But I mean, it's right. still gonna it's still gonna be next man up, and hopefully, no team is gonna have more than one. I mean, we've seen it kind of in baseball, where no team that had one outbreak has had a relapse yet. So, if one team does have some problems, the hope is that that open slot for a makeup will suffice, and there won't be any other problems. But how severe is the penalty if a guy, let's say, a guy gets caught going out on the town, gets COVID, and the coaches find out? Do you think he's is he off the team? Is he done? You think is that severe? Even if it's say, say, the superstar did it,
3: I don't think so. Um, I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but I'm sure there has been some times where guys have gone out to maybe a, um, a bar or something that was open or, or a gathering. Um, but I don't know the precautions in terms of that. But um, back to what you were saying before, I think if I've heard anything that Coach Mullen has said more during this time would be that the team that comes out on top and the team that wins this season – is the team that takes care of the little things and that doesn't let all these distractions get in the way. So I mm-hmm. think that can't be uh, um, any
0: closer to the truth. And that distraction is simply don't, you, you got to stay, you got to stay isolated. You guys got to right. be healthy. The distraction is other students being back on campus. And that's right. why when I opened up with asking what it's like with being, students being back and you're intertwined, are you socializing? Because to be honest, that's – you guys are in a bubble. Before they came back, you guys were in a a safe bubble, a safe place. If they didn't come back, you're you're safe. You know what I mean? You guys are there, you're testing. It's almost like you're in the NBA bubble. Right. I can't go anywhere. It's almost probably safer than the MLB, which they're going home daily. You know what I mean? You guys are there, you're in your rooms and you're only there, but now with students there, it's, it's really just going to be what, what team is, is selfless and, and can really just, you know, right. well, you, you have like, I hate saying this because I'm in the same situation with baseball next season. You have to almost put away the college experience for a semester. And it's a lot easier to say than do because you want to see your friends. You want to go out. But you go see that friend that doesn't play a sport. You don't know where he was the night before. Exactly. He was in contact with. And, but, and, and that's just going to be the stem of the problem in college. Because you're not friends with only football players. You're friends with people outside of the football team. You're friends with normal kids. That's just how it works. You're, you're, you're a college student. And being and saying no to hanging out with them is probably going to be one of the hardest things to have to do. But right. the team can do it the best and stay isolated the best and has the best plan. The likelihood they win games they shouldn't later in the – or they shouldn't at any point in the season just because they come up against a team with five starters out because they got you know contact tracing and all the good stuff. You know what I mean? That, that, that's going to play a huge role. So, we'll see how it does. Um, I got one final question. Sure. What, 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 what's this likelihood that we finish the season? And give me your guys' record.
3: Oh, uh, okay. So, uh, the likelihood that we finish the season, I'm going to go – I'm going to shoot for – I'm going to be optimistic, and I'm going to shoot for 60%. Sixty percent, we finish, and come on, ten and zero, come on now. <laughs> when
0: Love when it. do you play? When do you play, Bama?
3: We don't. We don't. We we are okay. um, are out of out of, the out of the SEC East. Out yeah, of they're... the out of the SEC East is Arkansas and A and M. Oh, you guys got off easy.
1: I know you guys are gunning for Georgia this year. Yeah, you got to beat Georgia.
3: Yeah, so we – I mean, we still have Georgia, LSU, A&M, mm-hmm. and like I said before, no no team in the SEC is just going to be a steamroll. Every week you got to come prepared. So. Yeah,
0: yeah, and that's. I think that's going to be really interesting because I, I've gotten a little more excited just sitting here talking to you, thinking about, like, weekend, week out college football between the ACC and SEC is going to be conference play with big games every week, especially yeah. conference championship, especially for you guys, Georgia, any top dog. You guys got to be ready every week and like you guys cannot sleep week one against Ole Miss. Like you should beat them, you probably will beat them, but you got to come out and play well. Or else you got something could happen.
3: Exactly.
0: Yeah, you, you got 2 you, two weeks or 3 weeks to your first game. Um I think 3. 3 weeks so you got to stay healthy for 3 weeks. Right. Bottom. So you got to you got kids back on campus, so you got to stay healthy. So this these next 3 weeks are going to be extremely interesting for you guys.
1: It's going to I mean it should be fun. How long's I mean, Florida been back now officially? So,
3: I are the main move in weekend for are you talking about regular students? Yeah, just for regular students. So, this past weekend was move in weekend. So, kids, okay, so kids have been back, um, at the most a week now. If you moved in early, okay,
1: so yeah, give it this next week. Yeah, is gonna this be next, yes, exactly. If this you guys next, get next through, two weeks. you guys get through this next week, week and a half, and the campus stays under control the players staying yeah, i think you guys are locked in i think Shit. i think just for a lot of colleges it's just this early period where there's gonna be a lot of positive tests and everyone's gonna all the people who are against playing in the first place they're gonna flip out and i think people the leadership it needs to stay the course we knew this was gonna happen contain control the spread and i think i i'm optimistic i, I think it's an you guys have an 80 percent chance of finishing your season i'm all in on yeah, I'm that with
3: you, though i'm with you and i, I just 60, but if you're at 80 i'm up there with yeah, you. yeah i love
1: it i think i i'm just feeling optimistic about it i think right. we're especially in florida i think we're on the other side of the curve in regards to that outbreak and I, i'm just yeah. really excited i'm sure i'm sure you are too and i think it's going to be a good season it's going to be yeah. at the best conference in college football is going to be on center stage even more than it usually is
0: just to talk a little bit uh, about uh, the students being back, I think um, UNC Chapel Hill is playing chess when everyone else is playing checkers. I think that was a design plan to get all the students off campus so their football team would be untouched. And now they are now they are back to being in that bubble. So any school, I think any school that gets students kicked <laughs> off campus has a bit has a better uh, has a higher chance of making it through the season unscathed. Yeah,
3: I mean that's when that's when uh, that's when being on the football team comes into uh, a a good scenario because I would be really frustrated if I had to pack up and move out after all I did. So,
0: yeah, I mean, and- if
3: that's what UNC is doing and you know, props to them. Um,
0: <laughs> that's, you know. that's, that's just playing chess when everyone else is playing checkers, get your students away, get your problems away. The students back on campus mean nothing to this. I mean,
1: this team. might be their best football team nice. in years. So they, yeah. they better, I mean, Mac Brown's exactly. got that team. That this ever since Butch Davis and their recruiting scale, this might be one of their better football teams. If Alabama
0: has, if Alabama has an outbreak at school, Nick Saban is getting every student sent away besides the football. (laughs) If if Alabama has one outbreak, this Nick Saban has the whole. I mean, the city will, I mean, he has the power. Yeah, he has the power. I mean, they will be gone. Students will be gone from Alabama in a heartbeat if it, if it even so threatens football. Team.
1: I want to see them bring like Nick Saban into like an assembly with a bunch of the students, just rip into them the way he ripped <laughs> into the football team. That, that would, be would be gold. So that would that, just be, that would be gold.
3: That would be that would be Sports Center worthy. That,
1: absolutely, yeah. especially with all the sound bites that he has in general. Yeah. Well,
0: we want to thank you for coming on, Jack. And to everybody listening, this will be the end of the podcast for this week. We want to thank everyone for listening week in and week out. We want to thank Jack. You're a consistent listener. We want to thank you for listening. And if you have any questions, remember, send us an email. Send us a DM. We are starting the Fantasy League, as we have spoke about constantly. Please DM if you want to get in your spot. There are a few spots still remaining. So please Please, please, please send us the uh, questions. Send us if you want in. Let us know what we're doing good. Let us know what we're doing bad. And thank you guys for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your week.